I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey cuties, I'm Miles Sexton, a content creator, activist, and loud and proud disruptor of the norm. On Our Private Bits, we talk about the things and people that don't get talked about enough or at all. Trust me, as a sober, HIV-positive, non-binary person, I would know. Join me as I chat with people in my life and from around the world whose stories deserve to be heard. Maybe you'll learn something new and you will definitely LOL. Our Private Bits is also part of the ACAST Creator Network. All right, cuties. Today on Our Private Bits, we have Mal Huang, who is a content creator and has worked with some of the biggest brands in the industry. And before becoming a full-time content creator, she also worked in tech with Adobe and Meta. Want to say hi, babe? Hi! I'm so happy to be here and also to hang out with you. Oh my gosh. Like it's always good vibes, good energy. Literally. I, I feel like from the moment we met at the pool party, I have been so like drawn to you. Aww. It's so interesting. But like I also was like a bit intimidated the first time we met that that first day I feel like you and and your partner are so like beautiful and gorgeous and confident and I'm like oh I was so like so baby miles at at that first point and I'm so glad that like over the years we've been able to like you know work together and collaborate and get creative and just like spend time together you know and get to know each other it's it's really been such a treat honestly I think it's so funny you say this because I felt that about you because (laughs) that's not where I that's not where I had first seen you no way I saw you for the first time at fashion week really prior to that we had never met but I was I was like oh my god who is that (laughs) so fabulous and I I just like you just towered and floated through fashion (laughs) week I was like oh my gosh like this is amazing anyways so I actually didn't know it's this so funny. I, lo- I love that that's your coming first out memory yeah of me. I oh. honestly thought you were gonna say that I, was, no. I thought you were gonna be like I also saw you a bunch of weeks no, but- I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm like so oblivious in public settings because like I think yeah. it's like a defense mechanism it was like I just like I've turned off like looking at people around me or whatever like but also fashion week. yeah totally it's it's chaos so chaos chaos <laughs> and you're just tunnel vision yeah agreed agreed Now, I feel like something that I love that you do is like, you know, you and your partner are very like public with your relationship online. And it's a huge part of like your content creation that that you do. But that must like come with some challenges. Like how how is it, I guess, like balancing, I think, like the online and offline parts of your relationship, you know, and like, does it impact each other? You want the tea? I do. You want (laughs) the hot, spilling, boiling over tea? Yes. I mean, it's, it's just, it's really hard. It's really, really hard. I think that, you know, we all know that Instagram or social media is a small snippet Mm -hmm. of our real lives. And it is a lot of time, a very focused message that we want to share with the world that where we see us adding value. And for us, it's, you know, sharing the good parts of our relationships, Mm -hmm. what has worked for us, sharing that back through advice, sharing like couple posing ideas and like how to feel good in front of the camera together. But 
a lot of like what we don't show is the stuff that I I have kept more private yes. because it's it's felt like one just a part of me that I didn't feel like sharing totally. but also not where I see value being added to mm -hmm. my audience but since we're spilling the tea yes. um gosh Dave and I went through hell and back throughout our entire relationship online mm -hmm. and offline it's interesting because before we were social media partners yes. creators uh we were nightlife promoters yes that's right and so in a way we were also living a very public relationship mm -hmm. because we were both always out at the club we always yes. had to host people and be that couple and so it's kind of been at the very beginning of our relationship till now that mm -hmm. we've done this song and dance but totally. now being in the online offline world um i think we fight a lot about our jobs yes because we're both co-workers and business partners as well as romantic partners totally. so that is like a huge reality i show a little bit of it yeah, about it sometimes like yesterday we got into like this huge fight because of framing yeah and he was like well this is my campaign so we're doing it my way and i was like okay but i sold it through so i know the creative brief yeah and it was just like a back and forth of that but um yeah, it comes with its challenges for sure. And some days you don't really want to be loving online mm. because you're not loving in real life. Totally. And you're working through something. And, you know, if I'm not pumping out a couple of content, people think we're broken up. Yes. Um, I get messages all the time that are like, why are you in Paris? Why is Dave in Tokyo? Are you guys broken up? Are you guys okay? And I recognize that we've become um, maybe like an inspiration for, mm. for people uh, to want like this sort of love. But I think the reality is that the love definitely isn't just what you see offline and uh, or online rather. And and I think that that's what makes it beautiful because like no relationship is perfect. And if it was, it wouldn't be beautiful. Exactly. You I know? think like we have sort of, you know, we all grew up watching, you know, the Disney movies and like what we think yeah. that love is supposed to be and what a relationship is supposed to look like. And, you know, I think that's the downside of Hollywood is that we're never really shown the like underbelly of it, like the, the yeah. bad parts, you know, it's yeah. always like. Yeah, it's like, and I think people have these like unrealistic expectations of what a relationship is going to be like. Like a relationship isn't all just like sunshine and roses all the time. It's like, it is so much work. And it's like about moving through, I think, a lot of those like challenges and growing together. Together. Right? And like, yeah, yeah you don't see that online. You don't see that in movies. Maybe a bit more now in TV shows, like where you get to see a bit more of that sort of thing. But I and I want to, yeah. but here's the, like, I don't know. A lot of people are like, well, why don't you show the bad side? And I think the hard thing for me is because when yeah. I'm going through a hard time, like yes. my first inclination is not to turn on my camera or turn totally. on my phone. And so naturally I miss the moment and like, yes. maybe I'll refer back to it in text, yeah. but no, I, I like, I don't have a video of me crying. Cause like when I'm crying, yes. I'm like in a corner. Yeah, 100%. Not near my phone. No, this isn't an episode but, of Big Brother, you know? Yeah, like. No. like maybe if somebody was following me, they would definitely yeah. be able to capture it. And then I would share it back. But yeah, so I struggle with that, like showing the bad side with the good side. But I try my best to like mention whenever we share, especially like a really lovey-dovey moment mm -hmm. or something that's really worked for us to counterbalance and be like, this is a good time. Yes. There was also bad times, but just, a disclaimer this was a good time totally but i also think like i think the content that you create is like you know you're you're, you're very much like focused in and like empowerment and happiness and joy and it's like you know i think that there's a way that you can still teach people about these types of things but it doesn't have to be through like here's a video of me crying you yeah. know and, and i think you're very good at that of like Aww. you know like showing i think the balance of both of both parts of it right Aww. without it being like this dramatic sort of like video, you know, like good. That's yeah. nice. That's good. No, I, I really think you. that. I, I think I think you do give like a very like 
clear picture, I think, of your of your relationship. But I guess like what was something that you like that you kind of learned, I guess, like in especially like being in a relationship Mm -hmm. and like now working with with Dave, like how do you like was there was there learnings in there? Like what were some some mistakes that you made that like, you know, maybe other people that are looking to get in business with their partners like shouldn't make or, or should learn through? Yeah. yeah. Two big things. One, yes. boundaries Yes. Um, for online, offline. So when we're an online couple and when we have like a specific goal mm-hmm. that we're working towards um, in our business yes. versus our offline time, totally. Um, which needs to be offline. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely correcting me in a lot of times where I'm like, oh, this would be a cute selfie moment. He's like, no, this is not a cute selfie moment. Oh. Just like leave it alone. Let's can we just like That's enjoy so this hard. moment? <laughs> can we just enjoy this moment? Because yeah. we're always taking we're always taking photos. Totally. So like, can we just enjoy this moment? Um, so that's one. Um, and then the other thing too, that I think we realized was just our personality types are so different. I'm yes. super type A, super driven. Um, I have a, a little bit more of like a business background. Okay. Um, and Dave is a creative by nature. He's a full-time photographer yes. before. So for him, I think he would always be the person executing my vision. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, that created a really troublesome dynamic in our, in our business life and our personal life, because okay. it was me dictating where we were going, what we were yes. doing, how the business was moving forward, and really it was, should have been a business partnership. And so even simple things like recrafting the wording, mm-hmm. like instead of saying my vision, my business, yes. my brand, it's our brand, totally. our vision, our business. So even if I'm trying to communicate something like, I think our vision, our the vision should be this, just using the or our vision instead of being like, I think my vision is this, is just a really subtle but impactful way totally. to make it feel like a unit and not his boss. Absolutely. Which is something he communicated to me. It was a really hard conversation, I would assume, for him, where he said to me, like, I feel like I just work for you. Mm. And it sucks. Totally. Um, you know, because this is my whole life, my whole career too. And I feel like I literally work for my wife and I just like, and, and she's not even doing it lovingly. Yeah. She's just like bossing me around. For sure. um, so for We're a long so time, <laughs> <laughs> for a long time, it was that we struggled with that. I think for like the first year to two years of us doing this full time. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that's really good advice for people, not only like, or content creators are working together. It's just like in relationships in general, like, you know, even when Tyler and I bought our house together, together, I kept calling it my house you know, instead of our house and it would make Mm. him so angry. And I like, you know, but it's like those sort of things. It's like, I've been single for like four years of my life prior to dating Tyler, you know? So it was like very weird to like, you know, now yes, we are an hour where, you know, the, you know, but it's like, I was so used to using I or my, you know, just because it's like, I was on my own for so long. So of course it's like recrafting the narrative and it takes time to like get into the habit habit and practice of of recrafting totally. that narrative so yeah language yeah. language can be hard yeah to like 100%. to re to reformat how we speak right 100 percent. so you were saying like online and offline time though like mm. so do you do you have like is there like okay after six o'clock like we're not on our phones or like what what does that look like for you i'm very curious we try our best we try our <laughs> yeah. best but a lot of times we have like events after totally. after our, the work day so we take it day by day but yeah. we'll typically come together in the morning, yeah. have like our morning routine. Like we always start with, with kisses and, yeah. I, and I love you and coffee together um, before we kind of move into the workday. And when we move into the workday, we realize, okay, so we have this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, 
okay, let's go do something like between this time and this time, or like, let's like take a nap together and like watch something between this time and this time or Mm -hmm. spend quality time together between this time and this time. So it depends on each day. Um, But typically, if we don't have an event in the evening, we do try to keep evenings kind of offline um, in the sense that we're not like sharing totally um, during that time um, or capturing content during that time. But yeah, it, I would love to say every day after 6 p.m., but that's just not true. Totally. I mean, yeah. it's such a day-by-day thing. Like, a big thing that Tyler sort of brought up for me when we were, like, doing our yearly, like, kind of, like, one of our check-ins, you know? Oh, like, that's nice. He was, like, he's, like, I feel like in a lot of these moments, like, you're on your phone. Uh, and I'm, like, yeah. oh, that's really interesting. He's, like, you know, like, when we're watching TV and, I, like, he's, like, I know that we're just, like, watching a random show or whatever, but you're still, like, on your phone responding to comments and, like, you know, yeah. DMs and whatever. And he's like, but you're not like present with me, like watching whatever we're watching. Like, even if it's this mundane 100%. thing or like when we're driving in the car, like you'll always be on your phone responding to comments because it's like the in-between. But he's like, I want to spend that in-between with you. Oh, that's you know? so sweet. And the I'm in-between. Like, yeah, but it's so like, romantic. it is, it is. It's so cute. But I was like, I am so unaware of this. And yeah. I've been like trying so hard to like be more like conscious. more present and yeah, conscious. Yeah conscious with it so I, th- I think it's interesting do you find like travel because you both travel a lot too like is that uh that must be so hard to like disconnect when you're when you're traveling because it's like I feel like I would just want to be like for me anyway I want to shoot Online. content all the time so <laughs> yeah I think we kind of feed off of each other's energy yeah I think we're just more conscious of each other's energy mm-hmm. a lot more in the sense that there are days where when we're traveling, there's so much to see, so much to do, so much yeah. to capture. And we're both inspired to do that. So yes. we kind of allow ourselves to to, to do that, to totally. be online, to, to be sharing all day. Yes. Um, but normally there'll come a time or a day and we vocalize this where, especially like when it comes to Dave, Dave yeah. draws a line a lot harder. Okay. Where he's like, nope, <laughs> totally. no shooting today. Not going to touch camera. Not going to touch camera for you. Not going to be in any content. Uh, just nope. No creating today. Love um, it. And that's kind of my signal that, okay, this is a a no-go on uh, on that front. Yeah. But um, on the online, offline life, it is interesting because I think everybody's boundaries are different. Yes, they are. And, um, you know, Dave and I, especially if people have been a part of our journey and online for a long time mm-hmm. know that we're really open about a lot of things yes. about our personal life yeah um you know like we talk about our sex life mm-hmm. not often but we have yes um and the importance of it and a lot of times it's interesting because I think I received a comment once that asked like do you keep anything private um interesting. and like that was an interesting question to me because I don't know. For me, I I grew up online and sharing my life online. So it kind of feels natural to share these moments with my friends in a way that I feel like would help them or make them feel less alone or so that we can relate to each other. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because like, should some things be kept private? I don't know. And, and like, perhaps it's a choice of our own. Each person has their own choice uh, as to like how much they share and how much they don't. But it's a it's an interesting boundary and it's I think it's an ever shifting line. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, like I don't know, I, it's like because I, I think it's a, a whole other way that we communicate and we've learned how to communicate that and it's also yeah. I think like the things that you know we both talk about are you know, I think it's like breaking down a lot of these like sort of barriers because yeah. like some of them are just topics that people don't publicly talk about. And right. you know, and it's like you want to normalize it and you're like, why exactly. would I not share this? Right. 100%. Yeah. So I, I completely agree. Now, I think like on that sort of line of that topic, I know that 
you know, so nudity is like a big one for you, which which like you wouldn't necessarily, I guess, like see in your content, but it's like <laughs> if people who get to know you. I was like yeah. the first, you know, our, our first shoot together. I was like, oh hi, hello boobies, I'm you out. know, <laughs> hello, oops, I forgot. Yeah, but yeah. like no, it's great. I loved it, but like I guess like. So have you always been like so comfortable like in your body or like what was that journey been like? The answer to the first part is absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't share this a lot online yeah. either, but you know, I struggled with my body a lot. Mm. Um, I struggled with eating a lot mm. growing up, especially like kind of having put a foot into the modeling industry and yes. then coming out of it. Um, but to, so to answer the first part of the question, no, I wasn't always comfortable yeah. with my body. I think that I have come become comfortable with my mm -hmm. body in a, like a cyclical way. Okay. Um, in the sense that the more I showed up for my body, mm -hmm. whether it be through like embracing my my nudity or, yeah. or whatever the case is, it like would cycle back and then make me feel better about my body. And yes. so I would show my body more. Um, and so it was this, I think, causal reaction that's happened over the years as I've grown. Uh, and I think being in front of the camera also helped with that mm -hmm. because it, it helped to push me out of my comfort zone. It helped to make me feel okay in discomfort, mm -hmm. um, and in my insecurities to then be more secure and have more confidence and yes. have more security. And so, and which is another reason why I think I share so much about like posing ideas and mm -hmm. photo taking ideas. It's one, yes, everybody loves to have good photos of themselves, yeah. but two, it's because for me, like it's given me so much confidence um, in my growth as a person. And so anyhow, that's kind of like the background behind why I share those things. But uh, I think that nudity for me is just about being yourself and free. Mm -hmm. uh, and I do preface with the fact that I think I've made a lot of people uncomfortable and I've not <laughs> recognized their boundaries. Yeah, so that okay. is something I'm working on. For sure. Uh, for sure. Like, pr like asking before yes. I take my top off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely like taking my top off, like swimming with friends, like yeah. at a villa or something oh, in Italy, so nice. thinking that like everything's cool, yeah. like you know, no totally. big deal. And then like I'd go up and give my friend a hug, and they're like, "Oh my god, like what? <laughs> what is happening?" And I, I totally forget that yeah. you know, not everybody is yeah, okay with that. Different cover levels. Yeah, exactly. Different cover levels, different battery levels. So I do need to be a little bit more conscious of that. I'm gonna work on that. But um, yeah, for me, it's been a really great journey of like loving my body through the discomfort mm -hmm. um and having that like secular emotion of of feeling uncomfortable and then gaining confidence from it and, and so on and so forth but i love it i think the human body is beautiful i think like totally. we should all deserve to like look at ourselves naked and be like damn exactly you look great you know because you have one body to live in 100 for the rest of your life that's one body and so if you're gonna hate on your body what a what a sad what a sad story you know by the end of your life like there's always going to be something you don't like about your body totally always Absolutely. and and like we won't get into the whole like why we don't like these things yes. about our bodies because that is a whole other can of worms yes. um of society influence but there's always going to be something you don't feel great about but how about like the rest of the 85 mm -hmm. 90 of the things you do feel great about exactly and after a while you won't realize that like you have a love handle here or a bump here or a rash there or a stretch line here because those things will be so overshadowed by the things you do love. Uh, um, and so 
I, at least that's what I try to do. Yeah. It's like, I, I'm a human, right? I'm not going to sit here and be like, I don't see any of my stretch marks. They're all beautiful. Like, I know that. Totally. But it's another thing to see it. Yes. Um, And I would be remiss to be like, oh, I don't see my stretch marks. I think they're all beautiful because mm-hmm. they are. But when I see them, I still feel that societal influence and yes. pang being like, oh, that's not beautiful. And instead of, you know maybe doing the harder work, which I'm working on. But what I've found is like a, an easier way to approach it is, okay, but like, I also love that I've grown my bum. Mm-hmm. That's why I have this stretch yeah, exactly. And like, I have a nice bum now yeah. or oh. something like that. You know, totally. like, I think it's just a different way to craft and, and, and move around that conversation with yourself because we see it. We see, yes. you know, there's so many incredible body positivity um, warriors out there who are sharing these messages, which we've never had before. Mm-hmm. And, but it takes time. It takes a it lot does. of time to get there. And, and it's really hard to sit here and be like, love every part of yourself. We all know that. Totally. But it's another thing to kind actually. Toxic positivity almost. Yeah. You know? It's another like, thing to like live it every day and find ways to get yourself there slowly. Totally. And no, I a hundred percent agree with you. I think it's like, it's not about like, you're always going to have those sensitive areas. Right. Yeah. And like, that's, that's okay. But like, like you said, it's like, find those things that, that you do love and like yeah. celebrate those and start trying to change that internal dialogue of how you speak to yourself. And when you look in the mirror or whatever, like, yeah. you know, I think it is so important. It's like, you made me think of this like thing that I did. So like, you know, I think for a lot of people, like I was so tall, but I was also like so thin that like my bones would like stick out of my body. But it was mm. just like, that was just how my body are. shape, yeah. like my, my rib cage, like kind of okay. comes to a point. So I always had this like bump in the middle of my chest and the bottoms of my ribs would always point out, but okay. I wasn't like, it was just like, I, I couldn't gain weight. Like it was just like, that's just how my body was, you know? And like, so it was like so hard cause I didn't want to show my body because everyone would be like, Oh, mm-hmm. Skeletor. Like they would always call me a skeleton. Cause like I was so like phony. So it made me so insecure when I was younger. Yeah. And one of the first things I did when I started modeling was like, I went and like did this like completely nude like photo shoot with this like kind of artistic photographer and like you know but it was like one of the most like liberating I think things for me because it was like I I just like I never wanted anyone to ever see me without clothes off but then I like went into the shoot and it like I saw the images and I was like whoa these are so beautiful and like I'm beautiful yeah like it it made me look at myself differently and started changing that dialogue I think like internally also I don't know if these are private photos but I want to see I know I I mean (laughs) it's so funny because it was like back in the day where there's like wasn't digital prints oh. so it's like I have the printed versions but like I don't have them like digitized oh so, like, you need to digitize yeah, you have to come up and visit my house I have them I have like I mean, one of them also- I have them up on the wall so like you I know like it. but yeah they're like still to this day like I love 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 those images but yeah I, I think it, again like I think just reiterating it's like there's so much I think of what society like tells us of like what's beautiful and I love that we're in this sort of moment of like being like no yeah. like we get to define what's beautiful. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. we don't, not someone else, you know, yeah. or not what the society is. And, and I love that people are like reclaiming their power and their light and celebrating who they are. Cause it's like how it should be. I think, you know, the, the, the industry of like the beauty and fashion when we were growing up, it's oh, like, totally. it was so toxic, you know, like 100%. the modeling industry made me go like, it was so like psychological for me going through that. And it's yeah. like, it was such a one sort of body type was like the epitome of beauty. And I, I'm so glad that that's changed now. A thousand percent. And side note. Yes. But I just feel like North America needs to get on board with totally. the, the topless vibe. Yeah. hundred percent. Like whenever I'm at our home in Europe, I'm like, oh. this is like, this is not shocking. Totally. To people. And yet here I have to like sort of, sort of please myself. Listen, 
might not be a popular opinion, but I just think everybody would be happy more naked. 100%. <laughs> but didn't they like finally like just legalize like being topless? Right. Like because in Canada, it, it but it took to like be forever. Like public indecency yeah, or something. Talk like about fine. like anti-feminist. Jeez. I totally. So like, messed up. Like I don't, I really, to me, I'm like, if a man can take their shirt off, anyone else can take their shirt off. And like, to be there should fine. be no difference. You yeah. could be fined yeah. for it. No, no. I hope they did change that. I actually don't know this for a fact. We, somebody needs to fact check us. I think it, I think you, I, yeah. I, there was someone else on the podcast we were talking. I think I was talking with this about, but okay, it good. is now like you, it, it is Free like, the it is. Yeah. It technically is now legal. Bring them out. Yeah. All the but, girls out yeah, to the party. Please, bring them all out. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay, so... <laughs> on the topic of yeah. uh, changing the topic a little bit, but I'm curious, like, I guess, like, to what was it like, like, being a woman and like working in tech? Because I like to yeah. me, that seems like such a like, toxic masculinity, like environment. Yeah. I don't know that that's just like, the, yeah. the story I'm telling myself. But I, I'm curious, like what that was like for you. It absolutely was really it absolutely was. Oh. Yeah. So much so that I think I leaned into a lot of my masculine energy for a really long mm-hmm. time. Um, and tipped the scales a little bit more on that side because I thought that's what was going to make me more valuable or fit into the space or grow in the space. And so mm-hmm. um, for those who aren't aware, I, I worked in ad tech before being a creator full-time and um, spent a few years on my own startup in the like, affiliate network side wow. of things and banner ads. And then I moved to to Mogul, which was then acquired by Adobe, mm-hmm. um, to Meta, which at the time when I worked there was still Facebook Inc. Um, and I think it progressively got better as I moved through the companies and as the tech industry, I think, evolved. Mm-hmm. But I still remember the very first meeting that we had, uh, myself and like co-founders, um, of the startup and we were we had a, a meeting in Amsterdam it was this big convention this affiliate network convention mm-hmm. and um, I just remember never being looked at once and really? at the end of the meeting they thought I was my partner's girlfriend Ugh. and just the whole time I was just bit. having conversations <laughs> about you know the intricacy of yes. our back end you thought I was just his girlfriend just happened to have known all these intricate oh, details of no. our of our of our server tech like it just seemed so bewildering to me and i think that was a really big wake up call that i needed to it felt like i needed to be a man to play mm-hmm. in a man's world and it sounds so um cliche because i know it happens in so many different industries but for a long time like it was madmen right yes, like it was totally. a boys club and so moving out of that um 
like at Tumogul, it definitely got better. Uh, but it was still a, an office predominantly dominated by yes. males. And so naturally, the culture was like male-led mm-hmm. um, and cis-male-led. Yes. Um, so like I don't fault the culture for organically becoming what it was. I just think that um, there's a lot of growth to be had. And I think growth on my end too for for maybe having pioneered a little, uh, pioneered mm-hmm. it a little bit more. I, re- I still remember there's um, this one girlfriend I had at work at Tumogul and her name is Renee. And she was really big about this. She was like, we need more female representation yes. um, in our, like our holiday get togethers, in our socials, in our company outings, because they were all male focused, like beer, pub, like go to like track and fields to like, you know, do some lawn bowling. Like (laughs) it was like, it was very uh, like male driven. uh, And she would always voice up about that. And and I don't think she was appreciated for it, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest. And as another female in the office, like I kind of stood back and I think I, I sided with these males that I was trying to befriend in the hopes of being cool one of the boys totally and i kind of left her to the wind and it's still one of these one of these things in the back of your mind that you've lived through that Mm -hmm. you think maybe i could have done that differently um and helped to champion something that i think would have been important but that was just what happened um when i moved to meta it it definitely got better because there was a a much bigger push for diversity and um and representation for for both male and female um but that's just even on the gender side. Like, yes. yeah, you know I'm I mean? Curious, Talking like, yeah, like on the race, race side. Yeah. Uh, one, I think being in Canada is a huge privilege. Yes. Because I don't think I, I really had to face it like you maybe would somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely hard because, you know, there's always like some like microaggressions here or there. Yeah. Um, I think the the male female divide, though, for me personally, was a lot harder in the in the ad tech world than it was um, on the, on the race side, mm-hmm. the race side, I think was just more like me coming into myself as a kid who yes. was never exposed to like beauty in my race. Yes. Uh, I think that was, those harder for me, like on a personal level, but on the professional side, it was more gender than, than yeah, race. I could see that. I know. I remember like one of my first jobs was, was with L'Oreal and I was so blown away that all of the managers and directors, there was actually only, I think, two men in like leadership roles and the rest was all women oh amazing and I was like and I was so like blown away by that my first like kind of like conference like they have this like big conference every year where every employee like flies in from like all across Canada and like they do these presentations and I just like seeing that like you know even though at the time I identified as male before I came out as non-binary but I was like I don't know. There was like a part of me that I I was so like happy and proud to see so many like, yeah. like you know, women in these leadership roles because I've never seen that before. Yeah. And I just thought it was amazing. And I, I think more industries outside of just like fashion and beauty need to be, you know, at least something Getting a bit there. more, a bit more of a 50-50, you know, split would be amazing. And so. now with like just so much more information across the gender spectrum, mm-hmm. I think we need to be more conscious of and um, and celebratory of yes. in the in the various industries, but obviously there are some industries that are just a little bit slower yes. <laughs> than others. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> we won't vote at any industries, but you no, know. You know. <laughs> do you find though, like as now, like in your content creation, though, yeah. like how do you find like the impact of 
like diversity and inclusion like do you find that brands mm-hmm. are like like I don't know like I feel like the Black <sighs> yeah. Lives Matter movement happened and then like a lot of the brands like did this big you know sort of push of like you know focusing on like the black community yeah. like specifically you know and like or like the you know the like the black Canadian industry but it's like I don't know like have you found that there has been more representation for like someone like yourself like through that movement or like yeah I mean I think that there was a lot of performative action yes by brands like let's just let's just cut the bs yeah can I say bs yeah oh yeah we can spare here oh perfect let's cut the bullshit <laughs> cut the fucking bullshit um brands are brands yes. and they're out there to be businesses to make money totally and so at the end of the day that is what is going to drive their decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, we can hope and pray that like rainbows and sunshine, yeah. they can be like these altruistic entities. But at the end of the day, they don't care. No. They don't give a flying F what it is unless it's going to affect their bottom yeah, line. Yeah, they want to sell products. Um, and whether that's PR driven yes. or whether it's um, like... I don't know, sentiment driven, whether mm-hmm. it's shareholder driven, as long as it, if it affects their business, that's what's going to make them care. And so yeah. I think movements like BLM um, absolutely pushed them to realize that it was going to affect their bottom dollar if they didn't do something. Totally. And so a lot of people say, you know, oh, it's performative. It's not good. Like in some ways I agree because like, it's just a sad reality totally. that it is performative, yes. but from a realistic perspective, from a business person, mm-hmm. um, that's how we drive brands forward. Yeah. We drive them forward by motivating them through their, their incentive. Yes. And their incentive is always their bottom line. Totally. Um, and that's how we make big change. Anyhow, long-winded answer to say, I feel really lucky um, to have felt um, very welcomed by the brands mm-hmm. that I work with. And they're some of my favorite brands and favorite products. So it feels really great to have them like believe in me and who I am and where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I saw too many challenges in terms of not getting a specific job or whatever the case is because of my race. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think that does differ from race to race. Totally. Uh, I think my bigger struggle was just like, growing into my own like Asian pride Mm -hmm. um, myself, just having grown up in like a very predominantly white neighborhood and not seeing myself in these campaigns. Um, But then to all of a sudden be in them and it's been so like lovely. I, I think it passes over me sometimes that like, it is a big moment because sometimes I'll, you know, work on a big shoe, like the Revlon shoe that I just did recently. And um, it'll be pushed like quite widespread and, I'll have people DM me be like, it is so nice to see somebody who looks like me totally. um, working with Revlon because, you know, as a heritage brand, Revlon has predominantly in the past had had worked yes. with like, you know, what the beauty standard what was of mm-hmm. that time. And so um, when I get those messages, it kind of just takes me back a little bit to think, wow, we have moved quite, quite far. Like mm-hmm. the needle has moved quite a bit. Um, it's so true. because since. Uh, Absolutely. Because yeah. even like, you know, I think, Canada as a whole actually has like a very like racist back history of oh, like the Asian communities you know yeah, like it actually yeah. it was bananas like you know they brought over so many immigrants to help build the railroad and then like made the immigration like fee so high that like none of these families who actually like helped 
build the railroad across Canada yeah. could actually live here. Yeah. So they absolutely. send them all back home. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it's so messed up because it's like, you know, I think to me that's like a fundamental part of like what of who Canada is. Like we are yeah. this sort of collection of like all of these beautiful cultures sort of coming together, but yet we were only really saw like, you know, the very like white European yeah. kind of like look to it. So I'm I'm so glad that, you know, it it is changing. Yeah. Do you find though that like because of the pandemic, like I felt like in the pandemic, even though like the BLM movement was happening, there also was this like huge rise and like racism towards like, you know, the AAPI community, you know? And like, I was like, a lot of my friends were just very like stressed, even just to leave their house because they were like getting people yelling at them and like, you know, but did did you like, had you experienced like any of that for yourself? Like personally? Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Uh, There's one particular incident that honestly, I I can't, I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that it affected me so much. Yeah. But um, anyhow, Dave and I decided to go and take a drive. Yes. Um, this was when things like had started to open up, but masks were still mandatory. Yeah. And um, we had taken a drive out to London mm-hmm. because we were actually visiting like a potential wedding venue out cool. there. And we were like, you know, like in the meantime, like, you know, things are open now. Like, why don't we go and like check out Value Village? We yes. like love to, to thrift things. So um we went to Valley Village and Dave was like, hey, like, I'm just going to, I'm going to stay in the car. Like, I'll join you in a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, go see if there's anything good. So I went in and I found like this little purse thing that I thought was really cute. And I got into the line and, um, you know, at the time they still had like the stickers yes. like on the floor. And so I was in my respective sticker. Um, and it was my turn to like come up. Mm-hmm. And when I approached the next bubble to like actual cash, this woman buying the cash like left the cash. And I thought, oh, maybe like um, she had to go do something or, you know, maybe I just have to wait. Yes. So I stood there and she she didn't actually leave the cash. She just stood like in the next like lane and <sighs> just stared at me. And I was like, can can I pay? She's like, leave the stuff here and then step back to the back bubble. And I was like, okay, this is really weird. Like, she didn't just do this, but yeah. okay, whatever. So I put this stuff down and I went to the back bubble. And she, like, the whole time, she's, like, giving me this crazy, like, awful look. And I was like, well, maybe she's just, you know, the pandemic is, like, affecting everybody yes. in a weird way. She, like, rings me in, steps back out, and then doesn't say anything. So I'm now, like, behind, I'm at the back bubble. So I was like, should I should I pay? Like, is it ready for the machine? And and she was like, yes, go ahead. And I was like, okay. So I like went and like tapped on the machine. And she's like, can you back up again? I was like, this is so weird at this oh point. My I just thought like so strange, I, but still I yes. was like benefit of the doubt. Yeah. She, maybe she's just very odd. It's yes. fine. After I, I, I paid, she like threw my stuff to the side. Um, and then she looks at me and she's like, you people don't follow our rules here in Canada. <laughs> and in that moment, I was like, huh? Like, what did I, did I do something? Yeah. Like, what did I do? And then like, I just took my bag, like I took the bag that I bought yes. and I like had this confused look on my face and like walked out of the store. And it wasn't until I was like midway through the parking lot that I like really sat in like what had happened yeah and i think like when she used the term like you people it really made it apparent that she was like specifically referring to me as an other yeah um 
And I remember getting to the car and like, Dave was like, are you okay? And I just started crying. Totally. I And this has never happened to me. Like I grew up in a really white neighborhood. I've been yes. called like spoon face, flat face, yeah. whatever. But like nothing affected me. Like, especially as an adult, mm -hmm. as in that moment, I think because I didn't realize till it was too late yeah. to say something. And, and so, so in my heart, it just felt, it felt like I had done a disservice to myself mm -hmm. in that moment. And that I, there was no retribution and no correction made because mm. I just left. I left quietly. I kept my head down and I left because I didn't want to make a scene. Totally. Um, and or like didn't really understand what was happening. So anyhow, I definitely did feel that. Yes. Weird looks in the grocery store too. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely a vocal moment that stands out in my mind very, very vividly. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I feel yeah, like that's like, awful. oh, I might literally <laughs> throw up and go burn that Valley Village down now. <laughs> oh, it was so awful. It was so awful. Um, but, you know, the pandemic was a hard time. I try to have empathy in my heart for mm -hmm. people. I always say like hurt people hurt people. And totally. Um, I think a lot of it's driven from fear and ignorance and not giving them any excuse whatsoever for their lack of learning. But mm -hmm. um, I think we're all out here just trying to like to find, I know it sounds so sappy, but we're all here just trying to like live a happy life, you know, yes, totally. make something of our life to feel good about it. And, um, you know, for that person, I think maybe they're going through something that doesn't allow them to have a happy life and mm -hmm. to chase it. And I feel so, so, so sad for them. Um, and I truly do hope that like, people who are in positions like that, that hurt people, whether they know it or not, um, do find that happiness yeah, somewhere. I hope so too. Now, I know you mentioned a little bit earlier where you were like, I had, you know, that you were sort of like finding your culture, I mm -hmm, guess, like yeah. a bit again. I'm wondering if you can talk like a, just a little bit about that. And like, when did that sort of start for you? I think that started really in the creator space. <laughs> I love it. It took a really long time. You know, I think I rejected my culture for so long. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was born and raised here in Canada. Yes. Um, and my parents did move here, uh, from their respective Asian countries when they were quite young, like under 10 years old yeah. and they grew up mostly in Vancouver, but, okay. um, you know, there's still a lot of like the culture that we, that we maintain. And I think I hid yes. for a really long time. And it wasn't until the creator space that I felt like a collective unity mm -hmm. to like bring this culture up. And I think it was being surrounded by other people who were in the yes. Asian community as well. Like seeing other Asian people like celebrate their culture mm -hmm. inspired me to do yeah. that. And so collectively, we sort of all rose, I think, into like a higher place together. Uh, and I'm really, really thankful for that. And also, and also brands like Albeit, I'm sure performatively, I'm sure like for business purposes. Yes. But even like the simple thing of like celebrating Lunar New Year, I think, mm -hmm. um, doing a limited edition set. Yes. Are they making tons of money for it? Yeah. Yes. Are they giving back to the Asian community? Probably not enough. Totally. But like the, the awareness alone exactly. of it being in the malls, of it being in like a, a billboard, in, in a magazine, in the store shop windows, yes. I think personally makes a huge impact absolutely, um, and a bigger impact. Could they do more? Yes, absolutely. But like at this point, like I think a step forward is better than no step at all. A hundred percent. You know, and we shouldn't villainify 
uh, or vilify, sorry, brands for taking a step forward because it's not five steps forward. Totally. You know, I think we should celebrate the one step and then and and go from there because if we look back 10 years, that step was not even an option. So no, exactly. Um, but I remember seeing like as soon as I saw like Asian models in, in magazines mm-hmm. and, um, you know, fellow creators like doing paid partnerships for brands for Lunar New Year, Moon Festival. I was like, wow, like this is so cool um, that the things I used to hide as a kid are now being like celebrated as something exciting and fun. And um, yeah, it's really nice. But I think it's important because I think like a lot of the time, you know, it's like, it's the unknown is what the fear, where the fear comes from, right? So when we don't know these things and like, you know, it's like around the whole sort of like, you know, using Christmas versus for versus holidays. Yeah. You know, it's like not yeah. everyone celebrates Christmas. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's like, let's like educate on what other cultures celebrate and like their traditions. And like, I think it's like, I love that we are now starting to take these moments yeah. to like recognize these other types of celebrations and like what, what that's about and the history of that. You know, I, I think it's beautiful. And if I'm going to be really honest yeah. with you, I think, um, and I do do like a little bit of consulting on this as yes. well about like the Asian consumer market. And yes. I think there's been an uptick and rise in brands interested in targeting the Asian yeah, consumer totally. because they are a big purchasing consumer yes. group. Um, I think we need more diversity in the other cultures. Yes, 100%. Um, in other cultures and other celebrations. Like, I don't know if I've seen a built like a, a store like celebration for Eid. Yeah, no, it's true. Like I ever. think I just saw du- Diwali. I saw Diwali, right? yeah, but At like Sephora, which was really cool. You know, and a hundred percent. Like, not to get into like a whole other subtopic, but you know, I think what's going on in the world as we're filming this podcast, yes. um, like we need to celebrate, like, Muslim culture so much more because mm-hmm. there's, I think. Uh, like going to be a, like a really huge uprise yes. of Islamophobia totally out there um and this goes for all all religions and, yes. and um and cultures but i just think that it gets really underrepresented 100 mm-hmm. like i don't think i was even educated about eid ever totally same like ever and i we live in a country where there's such a huge yes muslim population like how is that how is that possible totally you know um versus you know like Christmas or Hanukkah, um, Diwali, not enough, but yeah. at least like every once in a while, like you'll see something like that. But I've never heard anything about Eid. Yeah, that's a good point. I hear more about St. Patrick's Day. Totally. <laughs> and it's also in March. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's just so odd. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of work to be done in the diversity space um, and not just in the Asian consumer yes. market because they spend money. Like exactly. every consumer can spend money. 100%. So yeah like i celebrate my culture and i I love that we are i love that like every single asian culture i we i just did a campaign for singles day it was it was it was a holiday that i'm not gonna lie i didn't even know about yeah i didn't even know about as an asian person but like somebody's like oh do you know about this i was like i think i've maybe heard about this and they're like do you want to do a campaign about it i have to look into it and be like oh this is actually really fun and like i think this is like a really fun way to tell this story but like there's like literally every Asian, every Asian holiday brands are like, let's do something. Let's do, let's do it. Um, which is like, is nice. But I just think there's a lot of other missed opportunities 100%. in other cultures. Other people can be celebrated. Yeah. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, like, I, I get it. But thank you for the partnership. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy to accept. Totally. But like, I could also make some other recommendations as yeah. well. 
exactly how do we bring other people in in for these like opportunities right they actually like named it like i think they called asians like the model minority you know um where have you not heard this no it's like basically because we kept our heads down we kept our heads down and like like just let everything happen around us and then we quietly worked in the background and are like hardworking but we never like Mm -hmm. asked for praise and that's why now we are being celebrated yeah no it's crazy it is um but yeah movement forward is like what we should celebrate absolutely oh my love i appreciate you so much i love your passion i'm so glad that we got to talk about so many things on this. i love this i love our chat yeah i feel like this is like part one (laughs) i know there's like so much more to unpack Ooh la la agreed agreed well thank you for coming on the podcast (laughs) thank you so much for having me of course Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.